so we're out of family listening time, quite safe to bring on Bodgers, Banks and Sparks, recorded at the Gate Theatre at the Latchmere, Battersea in London, featuring the Bodgers, Morwenna Banks and John Sparks. This week, Mr Hargreaves did it. Ladies and gentlemen, Bodgers, Banks and Sparks. Mr. Hargreaves did it. You join us here at the Lower Barton Town Hall, where we are about to enjoy the first performance of this year's production by the Lower Barton Amateur Dramatic Society, entitled Mr. Hargreaves Did It. At present, we are listening to the Lower Barton Symphony Orchestra's rather interesting interpretation of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Well, the orchestra has finished. So now let's join the audience who are awaiting the curtain expectantly. Excuse me, is this seat taken? No, no, not at all. Park yourself. Thank you. George McDermott's the name. How do you do? Donald McDermott, myself. Do you live around here, John? No, no, no. I didn't think so. Your face looked totally unfamiliar. <laughs> to be honest, I don't live anywhere. I'm just a fictional character. I only exist when I'm speaking. Remarkable coincidence, George. Same thing happened to me. So anyway, Donald, are you looking forward to the curtain? Oh, absolutely, George. If there's one thing the lower Barton players excel at, it's the curtain. Oh, there she goes, George. She's off. Oh, what a picture, Donald. One half going to the left, one half going straight up in the air. Yes, they've done it again, George. Smash. Production is underway. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening and welcome to this year's production. Mr. Hargreaves did it. <laughs> Let me tell you that this is a murder mystery in three acts. The action takes place on the stage directly in front of you. <laughs> the interval takes place in the foyer or the lavatory, depending on your proclivities. Cup final takes place at Wembley. <laughs> no, why can be serious? Ladies and gentlemen, the story this evening concerns a Mr. Hargreaves, a man driven to murder in a turbocharged Austin Rover. <laughs> the year is 1924, the month is April, it's Tuesday, about 9.31pm. It's been a brustery day, but at least it's not been as bad as Monday, which was a bugger. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's get on with it. Oh, God, look at the time. Oh, where are they? Oh, where are they? Where on earth are they? Oh, where on earth are they? Oh, there they are. Come in. Evening, sir. Tinglebury Police? At your service, sir. You must be here to solve this murder. Indeed. Allow me to introduce ourselves. I am Inspector Holmgreaves, and this is my trusted assistant, Constable Wilson Greaves. Good evening, sir. And you must be the dead man. No, I'm the dead man's brother. Did you get that, Wilson Greaves? Yes, sir. Not the dead man. In that case, you must be Hargreaves. No. No R. Greaves. No H. I say, him! 
Clue Wilson Graves. Uh, certainly, sir. Uh, one across, six, eight. Versatile man, Greek trader, fruit and vegetable grower. Oh, it's got to be an anagram of man, Greek trader, hasn't it? I think so, yes. It's market gardener, actually. Aha! Sir, already we both know that the dead man's brother is good at anagrams. Did you get that, Wilson Graves? Well, I got market, sir. I was a bit stumped <laughs> in the second part. Never mind, never mind. Now then, let's look at suspects. Mr. R. Greaves, you are our number one suspect. Number one? Well, thank you very much indeed. I, I never expected I will to be some number more. one. So don't get cocky. <laughs> now, Mr. Argreaves, who else is there? Just the servants. Right. Well, I shall leave no stone unturned in my search for the killer. Wilson Greaves, in the garden turning stones. Sir! Argreaves, bring me the butler. Mr. Argreaves, certainly. Did you say Hargreaves? No, Argreaves. Well, bring him anyway. And Hargreaves, try and find out who the hell it is that keeps playing those dramatic chords every time I say Hargreaves. Every time you say what, sir? It won't be funny a third time, Hargreaves. <laughs> Just get the butler. Right, sir. Hargreaves! A radio! A clue, Wilson Greaves. No, Hargreaves, a radio! Turn it on. Hello? It's me, Chadwell. I pop in every week and do a poem. I thought I'd do one about home this week because I stayed at home this week because my mum forgot to pay the last instalment of my trousers. So they repossessed them. Quite an eventful week, really. My Uncle Denzil come round with a bit of news that upset my nan. He said French people don't use toilet paper. <laughs> They use a duvet. <laughs> well, we haven't got a duvet, so... So Mam hung the blanket from my bed in the toilet. And then Pedouard, a little Llanelli terrier, he was a bit of a worry as well. He's a nice little dog, but he was a bit wild until Uncle Denzil trained him with a stick. Now he's so tame, he never moves at all. <laughs> Anyway, he looked a bit off colour, so Uncle Denzil sorted things out again. He scraped his fur off, <laughs> sanded him down, touched him up with a nice drop of emulsion, and now we've got a lovely glossy coat. Uncle Denzil takes quite an interest in Pedua, really. Last year, he noticed that he'd got a bit of a limp, so before he could say, what are you doing, Uncle Denzil? He'd made him a set of little wooden legs. And I think you're a happier little doggy for that bit of DIY. We had Christmas this week. I know it wasn't Christmas for anybody else, but Mam refuses to buy a calendar, so we're never quite right. I always get the same present from my nan, a pair of socks. They're wearing a bit thin now, mind. And then Mam, Mam said she wanted to give me something practical, so she gave me five pounds of potatoes. We had a guinea pig for Christmas dinner. Mam says it's better than a turkey because it have got more legs. Pedois should be all right then, shouldn't he? <laughs> we had a bird last year, budgerigar it was. I suppose it'll be my stick insect next year. You've got enough legs anyway. Back to normal meals today. Had a beef burger for tea. Well, not just a beef burger, obviously. I had a plate and a knife and fork. So it was a proper meal. But my nan, 
my nan is a bit strange about food, though, because she, she watches ITV so much. She don't know the real name of anything, only the brand name. She'll say, Shadwell, another Captain Bird's Eye with those fenders? <laughs> Television. My nan reckons one day it'll be more popular than electricity. <laughs> That's about it, really. Looks like Uncle Denzil is going to move in with us. They're knocking his house down to build a cherry orchard. I'll do the poem now, then. Home. Hello, Mum. Hello, Nan. Hello, Uncle Denzel. Hello, Shadwell. Thank you very much. Bye bye, then. You wanted to see me, sir? Ah, uh, yes, Butler. Just a few simple questions. Right, sir. Who wrote Kidnapped Stevenson? Correct. <laughs> The highest mountain in Britain. Ben Nevis. Correct, sir. Come on, test me, test me. Who's there? Did the answer to the... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, butler! I'm asking the questions here. Sorry, sir. Right, butler, let's just get down to business, shall we? Right. Who wrote A Tale of Two Cities? Charles Dickens, Both sir. the score in the 1970 World Cup final. 4-1, sir. the capital of Portugal. Lisbon. Damn it! I think he's hiding something, Wilson Greaves. You have a try. Right, butler, tell me. Are you hiding something? Yes, sir. He is hiding something, Home Greaves, as I suspected. <laughs> and Butler, what are you hiding? It's a thimble, sir. Somewhere in the house. <laughs> Look, Butler, don't play games with me. I'm not, sir. I'm playing with Cook. <laughs> we always play Hunt the Thimble on Tuesdays. Well, don't... Well, don't play games with Cook, then. Hargreaves, there's something troubling me. What is it, Inspector? It's that eight-piece band in the corner. Hey! Okay, okay, okay. Who are they? Uh, that's our Greaves and the suspects. Wilson Greaves, this could be the musical break we're looking for. Arrest that man. Now wait a minute, Sergeant, I got an alibi I wasn't there that night and I can tell you why I was having a rest in a club on the west The club is called The Fence and it's down by the sea I was just boozing, so who were you accusing? So wait a minute, Sergeant, before you raise your hand Don't arrest me, just listen to my band You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Bop Bop You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Bop Bop He was just boozing, so who are you accusing? Now wait a minute, Argreaves, let me get this right. You say you weren't there, you were out of sight. We can arrest, cause you were having a rest. Your defense says you were at the fence. Smells fishy to me, but it's beside the sea. You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Bop Bop. You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Bop Bop. He was just boozing, so who are you accusing? Take it, boys. Cavalier Robin Frank But let me tell you now the wrong guy's been named I sure ain't smiling either side of my face And if you don't believe me, check the time and date the place I was just boozing, so who are you accusing? You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Pop Pop You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Pop Pop He was just boozing, so who are you accusing? You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Pop Pop You got the wrong guy, Sergeant Pop Pop 
George, my fictional friend. The plot thickens, eh? Oh, I can't say I'd notice, Donald. Anyway, any thoughts as to the perpetrator? Well, I still think it has to be Hargreaves. Yes, I must admit, so do I. You know, this whole thing reminds me of a rape trial I once saw. Was it boring as well? Oh, yes, extremely. <laughs> but it was a very good link. Order! Order! Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Yeah. You do, do you? <laughs> so, you admit it, then. You do it. Do I take it then that you wish to dispense with this trumped-up rape charge? No, I don't. Let us return to the night in question, the 12th of October, 1985. What exactly were you wearing on the night in question? I was wearing my nightdress. A negligee. <laughs> and are you in the habit of wandering around in a negligee at two o'clock in the morning? I wasn't wearing a negligee. So you were naked. <laughs> Would the courts take note? And was it in this state of undress that you answered the door to the accused? I didn't answer the door. I just said yes. You just said yes. <laughs> in other words, you consented. Well, what else did you say? Who are you? I'm the counsel for the defence. <laughs> Who do you think I am? No, I said it to him. You said it to him. A complete stranger knocks on your door and all you can suggest is it. <laughs> there, what happened next? Well, he forced the door open. Forced the door? Forced? So he forced the door down and then I presume he forced you to have sex with him? Yes. So can we assume that you're usually forced into doing things? No, I do things of my own accord. So you are a willing sort of a person. I put it to you, as many obviously have, <laughs> that you are just as willing to provide favours for this innocent man. I put it to you that when at 2am in the morning when all decent women and children are safe in bed and you were sitting scantily clad and friendless in your flat, when the accused knocked at your door, you jumped up like a bitch on heat, sidled cat-like to the door and then lured him like a spider to your web, suggested all manner of rough foreplay before encouraging the accused to exercise his male prerogative. No! Proof, gentlemen of the jury, is it not a fact that when a woman says no, she unequivocally means yes? I meant no. So you meant no, but found yourself saying yes. No, I said no, and I meant it. You said no, but you meant it. No. <laughs> Please leave me alone. Would that you had said that at the time. You got what you begged for. I put it to you that you are a woman. <laughs> yes. No further questions, my lord. All right, all right, enough of this dirty talk. She obviously is an habitual woman, and any chap in his right mind would be delighted to... to... well, anyway. I suggest we give the accused a rap on the knuckles for letting his libido get the better of him, and the slag gets two years. <laughs> Inspector, this is the cook. Thank you, butler. She still hasn't found the thimble, so... Shut up! <laughs> right, you are Mrs. R.G. Reeves, the cook. Yes, that's right. Something fishy here, Wilson Greaves. Well, that'll probably be the taramus the latter I'm preparing for supper, sir. Yes, that'll be it. Home Greaves, could I have a word, please? Certainly. What sort of word would you like? A long one that means worried. How about disconcerted? Perfect. <laughs> Home Greaves, I'm a bit disconcerted. How was that? Fine. What about? 
Didn't you hear the cook say Taramasalata? What of it, Wilson Graves? Don't you see? Taramasalata only became popular in the 1980s. Nobody would have had it for supper in 1926. Are you saying that Cook committed a continuity error? Yes. Good work. <laughs> Cook? Yes, sir? It has come to our attention that you have committed a continuity error. What do you have to say for yourself? Those only one, sir. Hardly a crisis. Hardly a crisis? Well, sir, I counted five in Pritzi's honour. Five? Oh, come on. There were, sir. I added on the video. Definitely five. I didn't know it was out in video already. Well, it didn't on Betamax, granted, but it is out on VHS. I thought Betamax was usually ahead of VHS. Oh, no, sir. Excuse me, excuse me. We are discussing the question of a continuity error here. Let's leave the matter of videos till later, shall we? Anyway, they both came out at the same time. Well, if you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I must dash. I left something old-fashioned in the kitchen. Ah, oh, this is hopeless, Wilson Greaves. If only we could find a note from the murderer. On the subject of continuity errors, Home Greaves? Yes, Wilson Greaves. Do you fancy watching the television for a while? I'd be delighted. Well, here we are again. Here's another girlies bit. Anyway, off I went with my pile of honeys and cosmopolitans and women's own to write this monologue. And as I was going through looking for ideas, I found this quiz, which I thought it might be quite fun for you to do at home. Anyway, it goes a little bit like this. It's called, How Bold Is Your Man? Right. <laughs> Question one. You and your man are at a sophisticated dinner party. You are wearing a slinky, off-the-shoulder little black dress. He is wearing your favourite tuxedo. Suddenly, he leans forward for the Beaujolais Nouveau. Do you think, A... He is bald. <laughs> B. He is not bald. Question two. You are on holiday with your man. You are basking on a sun-drenched beach, rubbing ambry solaire into your hair-free legs. You look up just as your man is windsurfing onto the foreshore with a freshly harpooned squid. <laughs> Do you think A. He is bald. <laughs> B. He is not bald. Question three. You are in bed with your man. He turns his muscly body towards you to give you a suggestive kiss. Do you think, A, he is bald? B, he is not bald? Right, here's the answer. Cosmo says, mostly A's, your man is bald. <laughs> mostly B's, your man is not bald. And then there's this other quiz. How stupid are you? <laughs> Question A, do you read this magazine? B, do you not read... Hang on a minute. I think someone's done this quiz already. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not me, well, no. <laughs> So, um, you wouldn't read this sort of thing? Not a chance, no, no, no. I'd rather read my diary. There's more interesting information in that than you'd get in that nonsense. All right, then, give it. Let's have a look in your diary. 22nd of January, Cosmo out. 24th, company. Yes, I was referring to the stuff at the front, actually. You know, Spanish holidays, international paper sizes, right, that's John, all. I happen to think that's very useful. I never go anywhere without mine. You never know, and it might come in handy. If you ever look through your diary, you wonder how many miles it is from Derby to Portsmouth, of what the time is in Hong Kong, or the dates of all the Portuguese public holidays and the official address of the National Economic Development Office. Because if you didn't, well, you should, because it's really jolly interesting. The answers are as follows. 175 miles, 6 a.m., Quite a few and Millbank Tower, London, SW1. Did you know the 2,000 pounds 
is equivalent to one short tongue. That size seven hat in Britain is a 57 in Spain. The keen you name the season Portland place and the Netherlands at Hyde Park Gate. And that the 28th of August in 1984 was the Tuesday. Cause if you didn't, well you should. Cause it's really jolly interesting. Diaries are so wonderful. In fact, diaries are really good. And if you want to know how to travel or to tube to Hatton Cross, then Angel be a bank. Or the time it takes on the train to get from Slough to Cheltenham Spa. There's plenty of room for your phone number, your doctor's number, and the name of the person to be contacted in the event of something happening to you. Oh yes, diaries are underrated. They really are a jolly good read. And if you want some useless information, they've got everything. No, George, if you want my opinion, they should all be shot. What's that, Donald? Guns, George. They should all be shot. Or fired. Or fired, indeed, yes. yes but not thrown, you don't think. No, no. Or tickled. No, no. Well, I tell you what I can't understand about these opinion poll thingies. What's that? Well, blast it, Donald. Who are these don't know? Oh, I agree, John. I mean, how don't they know? Why don't they know? Exactly. Do they know why they don't know? And do they know if and when they will know? I mean, Donald, can you find out what you don't know? I don't know, George. Oh, Donald, so you're one as well. Heavens no, George. <laughs> Donald, you distinctly said I don't know. I heard you. That was with regard to an entirely different subject, George, and well, you know it. Okay, Donald, okay. Horses held on that one. <laughs> if you do know, who would you vote for if there was an election? Oh, it's difficult to say. You are, I don't know. No, no, it's just difficult to work out the percentages. Oh, what are you talking about, man? Well, it's not easy. I keep sort of fluctuating, George. Like, at the moment, I'd probably vote, say, 36% Labour, 30% Alliance, and 26% Conservative. Oh, what the doobie blazes are you on about, man? <laughs> My percentages, George, this new voting system, how they expect you to know the exact percentage for each party beats me. Donald, I think you're a tad on the confused side of things here. <laughs> Look, George, I see it in the papers almost every day. Well, tell me, Don, how are you supposed to divide it up, then? Well, that's parts of the body, I presume. For instance, like, 26 Conservative, right? Right, yeah. Well, that's my legs. Your legs vote Conservative for that? Oh, absolutely. For why, man? Well, so I can get in my bike, George. <laughs> then all my other pairs, like my eyes, my ears, my arms, my nipples, my buttocks, they're with the Alliance, obviously. And the 36% Labour? That's everything else. Don, 36 plus 30 plus 26 is only 92%. That leaves 8%. Have you had your appendix out? <laughs> no, 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 George. My, my genitalia, which is 6%. Well, that's not what I've heard, Donald. Which is 6%, George. My genitalia vote for others. Why is that? I don't know, George. They're my private parts, and what they do is their own business. <laughs> Still leaves 2%, John. How do you explain that? Oh, that's easy. I haven't made my mind up yet. <laughs> A note from the murderer, perhaps? No, sir, a copy of Pixie's Honor on Betamax. Told you. <laughs> and underneath? Oh, yes, and underneath, yes, yes, a note from the murderer. What does it say? It says, I did it. Is that all? <laughs> yes, sir. Damn. If only someone had signed it. Oh, it's been signed, sir. I didn't realize that was important. Well, who signed it? Uh, Mr. Hargreaves, sir. Oh, well, in that case, if Hargreaves, we're closing in Wilson Greaves, two and two Wilson Greaves, two and two. Eight. 
Sorry. Two and two and two and two. Eight. Yes, well done. That means that, that Hargreaves did it. Did what? He wrote that note. Yes. Committed the murder. Committed the murder. Brilliant, Hargreaves. Well, in that case, I think it's high time we had a word with a certain Mr. Hargreaves. Bring him in, Hargreaves. Mr. Hargreaves, would you step this way, sir? Certainly, Butler. Ah, Mr. Hargreaves, take a seat. Now then, Mr. Hargreaves, I understand that you are employed here as the gardener, and that you have been employed here Excuse as... me. Yes? Oh, he did it. Oh, he killed him. Yes, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> now, I further understand that on the night Mr. Hargreaves was killed... By me? You... By you. <laughs> I further understand that on the night Mr. Hargreaves was killed, you were, in fact, doing the killing. That's correct. Oh, he killed him. Right, well, you're nicked. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Mr. Hargreaves did it. The only questions to mind that you remain are, one, what exactly did he did? One, why did he did what he did? And one, who gives the monkeys anyway? Not me, that's for sure. Anyway, if you could all now leave the auditorium as quietly as possible so as not to disturb the cast who wish to commit suicide in peace, then, ladies and gentlemen, may I now ask you to become elect for the national anthem. Thank you. The Queen is nice and she shapes hands and the Duke shapes hands as well. And Charles and I will they shake hands. In fact, let's face it, they all shake hands and do it jolly well. And when she troops those colors, you can rest assured they're troops. You might think it's silly. listening to Bodgers, Banks and Sparks with the Bodgers, who are Murray Hunter, Johnny No Name, Gordon Kennedy, Pete Bakey and Moana Banks and John Sparks. Written by Murray Hunter and John Doherty, Moana Banks and John Sparks. Music by Pete Bakey, produced by Alan Nixon. Bodger's Banks and Sparks was recorded at the Gate Theatre at the Latchmere with music by the Jim Bakey Big Band. Donald and George, Shadwell and friends will be back on the subject of space in next week's edition of Bodger's Banks and Sparks, half past eleven, Saturday night. <laughs>